Welcome to Trivially Crucial, where we believe every Sumerian god, tub filled with haunted pink goo, backpack-sized particle accelerator, and class 5 vapor is important and critical to our lives, no matter how unimportant a story may seem. I'm Michael. And I'm Mandy. And today uh, we're going to talk about Ghostbusters. All of the Ghostbusters. Well, all of the movie Ghostbusters, not, I guess. I was about to say, not all of them. Uh, not the real Ghostbusters. Yeah, and I just want to apologize for our listeners. I'm a little bit sick, so my voice is extra raspy today. So, And yeah. due to having a late birthday party last night, my voice is also not in optimal condition. So uh, please forgive us, but we are determined to get this done. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I guess we'll, we're going to start off. We'll talk about the first two Ghostbusters movies before we go into the new Ghostbusters movie made in 2016. Um, <coughs> and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go from, from there. So uh, I guess we could start off. What do you, uh, let's talk about the first one. So usually we talk off, start with like when we first saw something, yeah. but I feel like this is going to be the case for both of us. And I may be wrong about you, Michael, but I have no memory of when I first saw the Ghostbusters. Uh, you know, it's the same for me. The I'd... movie came out before we were born. <laughs> so uh, it's just one of those movies I grew up on. And something I only realized when I rewatched it is it is actually only rated PG. So it is legit that our parents showed it to us as small children. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do not know when I first saw the Ghostbusters. It's just something I've always known the story to, something I've always seen, something I grew up watching. Yeah, I, I mean, I... There's a chance that I watched it a little bit later than some other people, but it's still, it was at some point when I was a kid is the first time I watched it. I remember being scared of it when I first watched it, but yeah. very, but before long started to like it. So we'll, we'll talk about this when we get to Ghostbusters 2, because Ghostbusters 1 never scared me, but Ghostbusters 2 scared me on my mind as a child. So, well, I mean, I believe it's on record on the podcast that I am generally not a fan of scary things. So. Um, so yes, um, I guess, yeah, to, to go on that on, in this movie, it is, a. Uh, we can probably segue just right into the intro, uh, of the movie with kind of how the setup is where it's actually a pretty tame intro before you get to anything that could be construed as scary. I don't know that librarian. You don't think she's scary? I really didn't. I mean, because she was just, oh, I guess there's the jump part, right? Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I take that back. <laughs> um, I don't know. I was never scared. I mean, jump scares would shock me, but they weren't, like, nightmare-inducing. So uh, the librarian didn't scare me. And, and I guess you're right. I, it is kind of tame. And the librarian doesn't do anything to the other to the living librarian, right? She just, like, scares her. Yeah. Um, so... Though she does destroy, like, the card catalog, which is sad for librarians everywhere, I feel like. Yeah, especially pre the computer era. It's like, poor thing. That's yeah, a, I was thinking, like, I don't want to be the intern who has to, like, put that card catalog back together. Because that sounds awful. It really did. Um, yeah. But uh, going in, I mean, I think one of the biggest things about this movie that really, it, it is a classic. I mean, lot, a lot of people love it. A, a lot. Um, I love it. Uh, do you? Uh, yeah, that's actually something I wanted to mention is uh, I'm pretty – I don't know if I'm on record on this podcast with having stated this, but I'm generally on record as not generally liking comedies. 
Uh, but uh, I, I've always had this exception for genre comedies, if you will. And so, to me, as a kid, Ghostbusters was never even considered a comedy. Like, to me, it was just like a ghost movie. Uh, so, yeah, I really like Ghostbusters, and rewatching it just reiterated how much I like it, even if, like any movie, it has its, you know, foibles. Right? Oh, but man, does it have its foibles. And most of those foibles, uh, and we'll get to this more when we talk about new Ghostbusters versus old Ghostbusters, are really just 80s storytelling. Yes. I feel like. Uh, which, there's nothing they could have done about that in the 80s without, you know, knowing actively that this is a problem. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is just things that we are aware of as people and an audience now that weren't part of the consciousness at the time. Yeah. Um, which uh, probably segues us into the very next scene. Because uh, after we're in the library, right, the very next scene is uh, Venkman testing the two students for psychicness. And I'm just going to come out right and say it. Venkman is my problem with this movie. Yep. He is a bad man. And he, he doesn't, is, the thing that gets uh, me is he doesn't learn anything. Uh, no. It's not like he starts out bad and by the end of the movie, he's a better person. Cause I'm all there for those kinds of movies, you know, like so some people learn lessons and that's cool. We should show character development. But my biggest problem watching this movie is there's no character development for any character at all. Yeah, and, Vinkman. Yeah, he's. He, he, I mean, he's a bad. Per- he's basically a sexual predator. Yes. Right. Like he. Like like guys should probably be in prison for something he's done in his life. I, the best thing uh, I had to say for Vinkman in this movie was at least he's not a rapist. That well, I mean, but even that is not necessarily true. I mean, he does well, apparently walk around with Thorazine in his pocket. He, um, I, I guess I didn't catch that, but he doesn't take advantage of Dana when she is all like hot and bothered in her Zool state. Yeah. So I was like, that's the best I could say for him is that he did not take advantage of Dana when she was clearly possessed. It's very rough. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, Mm, very, very uncomfortable. And a lot of it, because it had been a while since I had rewatched the movie, a lot of it I just did not remember. Um, yeah. I remember not really caring for him, but yeah. It, and it's really a it, – it really just fits into 80s tropes of how – because he's sort of rewarded for it too, yes, you know? Yes, he is like, definitely rewarded. Not Yeah, I shouldn't say sort of. He's definitely rewarded. I, I mean, even just his interactions with Dana. I mean, he's essentially rewarded because it's like, oh, that's cute and we like this gruff sort of – you know, I don't know. I was really confused as to what the movie wanted me to think about Bankman. Like, usually a movie has a very clear, like, we want you to think this way about this character. And it seemed like the movie wants me to think of him as adorable after he just basically tortured a guy who was getting the cards right. And then, like, just repeatedly as a jerk to everyone, he's mean to his friends. Like, he's horrible to Ray and Egon. Horrible. Yeah, he's, he's just not good. Like, anybody. why am I supposed to like this guy? Because he's played by Bill Murray? Because that's not a good enough reason. No, no, it's not. Uh, you know, it, it fits in. Uh, I was rereading a an old manga from uh, from Japan really two weeks ago, maybe. And this thing was written in either the 70s or the 80s. And it hit a couple of similar notes where uh, it's like a really cutesy little thing. There's a, a romance kind of subplot in it. And at one point, the main character, who's a, a boy, uh, slaps the girl. And it's like, it's, it's only one time. But, I, you know, of course, me, with my modern, modern sensibilities, I'm just, like, horrified. I'm like, wait, he did, 
what? And and what happens is, I mean, he thankfully in the comic, the boy's like, I can't believe I just did that. I'm so sorry. But the girl's response was just so uh, uh it was really uncomfortable because it was like, but I understand you only did it because you care. So you would have only done that to me. And I'm like, no, no. that is not okay. But that's totally how people thought at one point. And it, it's, and that's, I think what this movie's trying to get apart, get across at some point too, where it's like, I yeah. don't want people listening. This, this is a pretty negative thing to start out on. And it's just yes. because Vinkman is clearly the main character of this movie. Yes. Uh, but I really love Ray and Egon and Winston. Like, yes, absolutely. I love and that's, all three of them. They are so. And Dana. Oh, I, I love mean, Dana. I love every I love other character. Moranis. Like, yes. Lewis. Oh, he's so great. Like, I love all of these characters except for Venkman. But, yeah. like, Egon speaks to those of us who really just like Spock and are just kind of like this <laughs> dedicated, like, scientist who doesn't understand, like, social interactions, but also doesn't really care. And then Ray is, like, the excited kid in a candy store scientist who's just like, oh my gosh, it's all so exciting, you know? And you're just like, oh, you precious, like, scientists. You. Yes, go do your ghost busting. You're so excited. Uh, and then you have Bankman. Yeah. And, and who's the abusing thing is, them yeah. and taking advantage of them and using their hard work so he can do nothing in life. Absolutely. And, and then it really is, it, it's kind of because he's the first one we're really introduced to is why we're harping on him first. But, you know, the fact is we just have pretty much glowing things to say about all the other characters. Right. Um, I think one very, very minor it's not really a criticism of the character, but uh, it's something that I only became aware of after the fact is that apparently originally Winston was also supposed to be a scientist at, like, you know, the, so the black character was going to be a scientist, but when they couldn't get Eddie Murphy, um, they changed that. Which is but, so Ernie Hudson, such a good actor. Yeah. And so apparently Ernie Hudson was very upset because when he signed on, he was going to be a scientist. Yeah. I thought he was actually going to be like ex military, like colonel level something. Like, which he was going to be something very different than what he was. And so he was very, very upset. And apparently, uh, after the fact, you know, years have gone on. He's been known because of this role. He really loves, you know, a lot of the stuff that surrounds it. And so. There's a lot of that positive, but it apparently has been expressed that like he still can't really unlink it from the conditions where it's like, hey, this like the rug sort of got pulled out from under me after I signed on. Um, which which is like, and, and we'll talk about this, you know, definitely much more with the new movie. Well, yeah, it'll come into that, but uh, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's your stereotypical '80s tokenism, right? Yes, absolutely. There's one black dude in the cast, and there's one girl in the cast. Yeah, one. And because of that, you know, you can't, there's no good way to do tokenism. There, there's just not. And it's going to make everyone at some point feel bad. At least Dana, you know, is a decent character, even if I fault her for, you know, giving in to Venkman in the end. But, right. uh, uh, you know, she's just trying to go about her life. Yeah. So anyways, let's, I mean, let's talk about the, the movie proper. Um, what are the things that you say really resonate with you in the movie? And I mean, we, I guess we can't really speak for larger audiences, but maybe what we think larger audiences really love about the movie. Hmm. <sighs> <laughs> I mean, for me, I think it, it really is the, the humor is, you know, it, the sort of dryness to it. Uh, I really, really like a lot. Um, it's also paced really well. Like I remember yeah. just remarking that to myself as was I was rewatching as wow, there's 
there's just there's always going from something to something else, but it never feels like too much. Uh, and then there's never any sort of dry spell where nothing's happening either. Um, right, and I think that's something for me. Like, like I said, I never really viewed this as a comedy movie. I knew people did, but to me, it was a ghost movie first and foremost. And if it happened to be funny, that's because you know some movies happen to be funny. But as a kid, I definitely didn't get the majority of the jokes. Right, yeah. so like to me, it was just a ghost busting movie, like a movie about busting ghosts. And so I think it's that plot that uh, it you're never bored. It's just constantly going. Right. Yeah, it's it's constantly going exactly, um, and uh, I would say that uh, one of the things that I really like about this movie too, and it's part of that progression, is that as it goes forward, it's you sort of have that the montage period where they're gaining popularity and the they're clearly getting a bunch of business. Mm-hmm. Uh, really sells you on the fact that hey, they're becoming a part of the city and gaining recognition organically because this stuff is happening like volume is happening and it, it's just like it's not an overnight thing it there's some progression there um and i think they did a really good job of that a really good job of making me feel like oh okay there's reason for people to start believing in them for this right, um, right. but of course then you have william atherton yes um yeah so let's talk about the epa so the one thing i noticed in this movie is once again going on realizing how much of a creep Venkman is on watching this movie. Venkman should never have been the person to talk to the EPA guy. Like, I feel like he exasperated it and made it worse. Uh, You know, and, and maybe this comes from not being an eighties person, right. Where there's more distrust of, I feel like eighties, you know, results in like things like the X files, right. Where there's more distrust of the government and, you know, you want these like, private things to be private, I guess. And you don't want the EPA coming in and checking on your things. But me looking at it now is like, why wouldn't you just let the EPA look at it? Like they would have left you alone if you just thrown some schematics at them. Like, (laughs) you know, it's kind of mind boggling to me. Yeah. Well, and the big thing too, is if you look at it, Vinkman just becomes the de facto spokesperson for everything they do, which is pretty rough. Um, Unless they're talking to ghosts, in which case he's not brave enough to do that. Um, and he sends, then Ray uh, has to do it. Yeah. Then Ray has to do it. Uh, but yeah, another thing too, is of course the EPA thing. It, it is a product of the times. I mean, you think about it, uh, you know, Reagan was, uh, early eighties. So he had, he had, you know, been elected in the audience. And so it was a, a period of the beginning of a long period of where conservatism sort of dominated for a while. Uh, so it makes sense to me that the EPA are the bad guys in the movie. Kind of like, or, you know, that aren't ghosts, I suppose. Yeah. They're antagonists. <laughs> yeah. They're antagonists. Um, so. But that, it is interesting so, that this movie, like the EPA is an antagonist, but they're not the bad guy that you have to defeat. Right, right, right. right. They, they're kind of a catalyst for plot. The movie doesn't have a human bad guy. Absolutely. And it doesn't actually have a real reason that the plot gets put into motion either. Okay, so this is something I notice and I don't have an answer for. Why Lewis and why Dana? Presumably right. this apartment building has a ton of people living in it. And but it's very clear that the the dog stone creature, right? It targeted Lewis. It chased after him. It didn't just it wasn't just anyone in that room and then it like overtook them, right? 
Lewis left the building and the dog thing chased him. Like for so for some reason it was Dana and Lewis and their movie gives us no reason for why. My headcanon, which again, like you said, there's exact there's no reason at all. The movie doesn't give me a reason, but my headcanon is that for whatever reason, I, I mean, I can't tell you why Dana was chosen. She's a, she's an attractive woman, I guess. So that's, that's why but she's chosen. Presumably there are other attractive women in this apartment complex. Yeah, maybe so. Um, but once she's picked, my headcanon is that, okay, well, Lewis is maybe the closest one related to her in the The only one she's complex. talked to. Yeah, and so, that's, and so that triggers him being latched onto as the second one. Could that be. is totally headcanon. I'm trying to come up with a reason, so you know, we'll go from there. Yeah, but it, you know, we have a very good reason that they give us in Ghost Techno Babble for why the building. You know, yes. there's the whole architecture when they when they're looking at the uh, the plans in the jail cell, and I'm just like, first off, who let them have those plans in a jail cell? Like, right? Are you just allowed to bring things into a jail cell? I didn't think it worked that way, but uh, they have this very good reason for like the architect, you know, building this building for you know, uh, like to channel another world. But there, there's there's no like, and Dana lives on the northwest corner, so that's why you know, I, I would have bought right. anything like that, right? That's like the two, you know, the north and the south corner are the ones that are targeted, or you know, yeah, something you could say that. Yeah, she lives in the in the Northwest corner. And that's really weird. Why have these people all moved out under and above her? Like, you right, know, yeah. like where she's the only one who didn't move out. And then, you know, you say something like, you know what, for whatever reason, our apartment complex has had a lot of turnaround or, or, or a lot of turnover in its residency. Um, yeah. you know, but and that's, it, uh, we're expecting, I think more than, uh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, as a kid that never bothered me, but, you know, I think that comes back to the fact that this is a movie made in the 80s, right? It's like looking at a book written in the 1950s and expecting it to have the same level of, like, show versus tell that we have now, right? Things were just done right. differently back then. Um, and the, the other thing that got to me was, you know, with this whole Dana and Lewis being turned into uh, the gatekeeper and the key master, right? Uh, Lewis stays an awkward adorable man right like yes. he doesn't really change that much other than he has different interests but like when he's talking to the horse it's so cute right like rick Moranis being like the workers will be released first or whatever it is you know that the slave will be that the slaves will be released when uh uh gozer comes and it's, he's talking to the horse uh but he's just kind of like He's not over the top, like possessed in any way. And like, everybody's just like, here's this weird little man. But when Dana gets possessed, she becomes like sex goddess. Like, I, it's very 80s, right? Very like, 80s, yep. I'm just like, why did we have to go? Like, because I was like, up to that point, I was like, you know, even though she's a love interest, the movie hasn't really sexualized Dana up to this point, right? Like, mm -hmm. she, it's not like panning up from her legs or anything, right? She's just like there. Uh, but then we get sex goddess, uh, gatekeeper Dana. So, I'm just like. Yeah. So again, yeah. I love this movie, <laughs> but man, there are a lot of parts of it that, <laughs> that are very uncomfortable for 2016 me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um, but so some of the things it does really well, uh, <laughs> and I think, and again, it may very well be a product of the time, is a lot of the subtlety. I mean, you think about their weapons; they use them what twice. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah. And I really like that. Like, I really like that it's, it's really kind of a, you know, we have these things that we already built because theoretically they should work. And, okay, now we've gotten an opportunity to use them. <laughs> and I, that's about it, you know? Yeah, I uh, fall on the other end of the spectrum, which is something we'll talk about when we talk about new Ghostbusters. Oh, I'm not saying it's the only way to do it well. I'm just saying, I'm saying I appreciate that about it. Like, I appreciate... I, to me, rewatching it with modern eyes, if you will, I was just like, wow, their technology stays really stagnant throughout this entire movie. Um, well, and, and, and I, I think just me, part of that like, is the 80s. I guess some of it too, yeah, 80s, but also, I mean, it's not, I did talk about how it, you know, it passes over a certain period of time, but it's not a ton of time. Like, it's not, I mean, I imagine that this is actually pretty realistic in terms of, well, they're doing their job with these things that they've gotten, you know? Um, and unless it's taken, I, which there's no reason to think it's taken over the course of like a year or two years, there's no real reason to feel like, oh yeah, these they would have upgraded their their weapons in the space of the time that this movie takes. Now, we'll talk about it more, but I definitely think things should have changed by the time Ghostbusters 2 ra- rolled around. Right, but, but, uh, but they are disbanded after Ghostbusters 1, right? So that's a pretty good rationale on why nothing's changed between the two movies. Maybe, maybe, but or at least during the movie, it should have changed or something. But right. Um, anyways, the, yeah, right. that's a that's a. Uh, what else did I think? Um, I I think it did. I actually quite like the ending to the movie. Um, I like how much the I like how much of the city, like how much the city actually plays a character. Uh, so in the movie, I don't like that. Like really. Well, okay, I guess it depends on what you're saying. When I was watching this, and I saw, this is in both movies, right? At the yeah. end, all of New York City is there, crowded around this building where this thing is happening. Okay, yeah, that's silly. And I'm like, is this just <laughs> 80s New York? Is this pre-9-11 people went towards danger to watch it like it was a show? Like, I don't know. Maybe it's realistic. But to me, it was just silly. Like, if I saw, uh, you know, this kind of crazy stuff happening at a building, I would not go stand outside of it and be like, what? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I that part, that is silly, uh, yes. But I mean more in terms of, um, you know, when they are, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to make sure I'm not confusing um, ep, uh, things. But when you see them being cheered on for various ghost captures and stuff like that, like the city becoming a character in terms of like the, you can sense the enthusiasm for them that the city has. Um, and then having people kind of screaming and stuff in response to, you know, to whatever's going on. I, I agree that it's really weird to have them all the having people crowd around wherever's happening. But at the same time, it is New York and people aren't going to be able to the streets are not going to become deserted quickly. It's just way too big and crowded a city for that to happen. So even if everybody's trying to leave that, you know, you're going to going to have people around whatever it is that's happening. Um as they try to migrate away. Um, but yeah, I mean, how do you, should we jump to the ending and how, like, and what happens and how that actually plays out? Sure. I mean, I think, you know, the plot coming up to the ending is a lot of little things, right? So yeah. with the ending, of course, uh, we have, uh, the gatekeeper and the key master have finally gotten together and brought, uh, Gozer 
forward. Um, and the Ghostbusters end up on the roof facing uh, this androgynous person who asks them, are you a god? <laughs> and of course, yeah, it's like if somebody asks you if you're a god, you say yes, as, a, <laughs> as um, Winston says. Yeah, and they, uh, the creature basically is like, um, you know, you're going to think of your own doom. And of course, Ray thinks of the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. Uh, what I think is really interesting is, one, Gozer just doesn't kill them outright. Yeah. Because um, I feel like Gozer could. Um, and uh, two, the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man seems to be made out of actual Stay Puffed Marshmallows instead of ectoplasm, yeah. which I find interesting. <laughs> so yeah, Gozer was powerful I, enough to create an actual Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. Pretty... I, I mean, I always thought that was funny. I was like, well, so now they have a bunch of uh, roasted marshmallow on them right. after the after they finish. Like, do you want to you know, eat that? Like, what, what's going <laughs> to... I would um, not eat it. No, I wouldn't eat it either. But but it feels like a, a waste for it to go to waste. <laughs> uh, sorry, I didn't mean to, for that to come out that way. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, it, it is really weird, of course... It's much more funny for it to turn out that way than for it to be made of ectoplasm. So there is that. Yeah. And uh, let's see, what else happens on the roof? Oh, they have to cross the streams, which before Egon told them to never do because it would cause total protonic reversal. <laughs> what, you know, it's such 80s techno babble. I love it. Um, yeah. And they, of course, cross the streams and they don't die. And, uh, they, I don't know, send Gozer back? Is that the implication? Yeah. I, I think the Im implication is that they destroy the gateway, but I don't recall. Um, I'm unfortunately not one of those people who've, who's watched this so many times that I remember every detail. I watched it uh, yesterday, and I'm still not sure what the implication yeah, I mean, is. I watched it three days ago, so. <laughs> did, did Gozer die, or did Gozer get sent back? I mean, they definitely destroyed the gate, but where did that leave Gozer? I feel like they don't have the power to kill Gozer. I feel I like would it agree was, with that. I feel like it was very likely just a closing the gate and you know that's that. Yeah. But um all in all though, I mean I really do like the movie a lot. Uh I think that uh, as you and I discuss a lot, we talk about the difference between liking something a lot and thinking it's great. Um so I think that the movie is significant. I think it's definitely a classic. Um I think it really probably set this whole genre comedy thing in motion. Um, really? Yeah. But I also think that people might think a little too highly of it. Agreed. Um, in terms of, and hold it up to on some kind of pedestal that it really doesn't deserve because there's a whole lot to nitpick in it. Um, it, it's not, it's not like fine film or something, you know, it's not like, yeah. uh, so you know, yeah. my, my husband and I were talking about this, and I was trying to find some other 80s movie that it's comparable to, and I couldn't think of it. But I was like, this isn't Star Wars, right? This isn't... Uh, uh, yeah, it's not Citizen Kane. It's not, you know, like, it, it's not any... It, it's nothing like that. It's nothing that is like, yes, these are the... It, it's not something that is a, like, culture-defining, you know, landmark piece of... And if Film. there's something to be said, like, and we'll talk about this more later, um, but I'm of the strong opinion that comedies don't age well. Um, 
because comedies tend to be very aimed at the time. Uh, so if you're not from that time or adjacent to that time, uh, you don't necessarily understand the comedy and you just watch this movie and you're like, well, that was just weird. Like, I don't understand this. Um, you know, it's like when you go back and watch like 70s or 60s comedies and you're like, well, that's just racist. Like, why is this funny? You know, yeah. but you know, at the time it was subverting racism or whatever, but now you're just like, that's just like wrong. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's just the thing with comedies. They speak to the time. And I actually think there's something really interesting to be said about studying times based on the comedies they produce. I think comedies really give you a window into the times, but you know, it's like a lot of this eighties stuff doesn't sit with you and me well, because we were not cognizant in the eighties you know yeah. like th that's just not our time period we're, we're 80s adjacent like we were born in the 80s but you know the time period we were basically raised in was the 90s right yeah i would agree um all right i guess we can move on to ghostbusters 2 the most terrifying movie ever yeah <laughs> i'm uh, sorry I, pink I would, terrifies me i would definitely say that ghostbusters 2 is significantly scarier than ghostbusters 1 um even I mean, there were a couple of times, even though I have seen it and own it on DVD, when I rewatched it this week, there were multiple times I jumped. Um, so, so Ghostbusters yeah. 2 made me terrified of taking baths as a child. Ooh, oh, I totally get that. And that is rough. I am sorry. Yeah, I basically I refused to turn my back on the faucet when I took baths. Uh, and uh, I would never close my eyes in the shower or the bath because I was afraid if I closed my eyes, it would turn into pink goo. Yeah. Yeah. So Ghostbusters 2 is really just Ghostbusters 1 but amped up. Yes. <laughs> um, it's like everything. It's the exact just same like, plot. It, yeah, they, they just turn the dial up, you know, yeah. on it. Like, like the it's even all the exact same characters. Like poor yeah. Dana. Like, poor Dana, can like, she get a break? Uh, it's just like, yeah, all, all the same characters, um, the, the kind of the reactions people have to them are amped up. The, their own character, like their own characters are sort of like amped up versions of themselves. Um, well, and that's another thing I didn't understand. Like the mayor in Ghostbusters, the original, like yeah. when he basically has this new like assistant who hates the ghostbusters like the mayor knows what the ghostbusters did in ghostbusters one and uh we'll, we'll talk about this more when we get to new ghostbusters but i think the mayor in ghostbusters original is realistic i think the mayor in new ghostbusters is realistic and i think the mayor in ghostbusters 2 is off like yeah i just don't well, understand part of it though is keep in mind his assistant went off and did something without his permission i guess it's true so, yeah. so cause when he finds out, he's like, you did what? And fires the guy. So, so there is that, like, it, I, I agree that his initial reactions are off to begin with. He's like, look, I know you actually did this stuff. So like, maybe I should listen some. And then, but when it does become evident that this is really the thing, he's like, no, we got to call the Ghostbusters. Like, that's what we have to do now. And so I, like I, he, he's a little bit off, but I think more of it lies on that, on the assistant guy who is really obnoxious. Um, yeah, Which, and I, mean, this I guess movie, he's sort of the EPA character, right? Definitely. But this movie has an actual human bad guy, too, right? Yeah. Like, there's definitely the ghostly bad guy, right? There's Vigo. But there's the creepy... Um, uh, 
oh, gosh, the the head of the restoration department in the arts. Uh, yeah, I, what's his name? Yanos, um, something yeah, it like that. Right. Um, and some from of these, some nondescript country that we won't ever find out. And the thing that I think is, is interesting. So going back to this idea of tokenism, right? I think, and we'll talk about this more with new Ghostbusters, but uh, Janos is a is a very like what modern sensibilities would call the quote unquote nice guy, like the stereotypical like um, not a real nice guy, right? Yeah, like yeah. The, 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 the in quotes nice guy, the, the in quotes, quotes nice guy who thinks he's always been nice to this beautiful woman and he deserves her, right? right. But he he's also never actually asked her out, so. You know, and he's also her boss, so it's extra creepy. Um, but the reason why I don't think it rubs people wrong in this movie is because we also have on the other spectrum, Lewis, right? Who is your stereotypical cute little nerdy dude who is like completely clueless and just wants to make friends. But, you know, he's, he's getting Janine in this movie. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and everyone likes him. No one dislikes Lewis. Like, he's, Dana's, he's an actual nice guy. Right. Dana's friends with him. The Ghostbusters are friends with him. Like, they were brought together by the last movie. And Dana could have, you know, wrote him off for the rest of her life. But instead, they seem to have maintained a relationship. Yeah. And then you also have the Ghostbusters as, you know, different levels of nerdy guys you know, for, for Ray and Egon. Right. And so you kind of have this diversity of men, which is why I think it doesn't bother men, uh, that Janos is, you know, a creep. Um, and possibly why it doesn't bother them why Bankman's a creep. So I think that's more with the movie framing Bankman as like a hero. Um, but yeah, I thought that was interesting because to me, uh, Janos and the bad guy in New Ghostbusters seem like very similar characters. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll, so I, I guess I didn't really, we only talked about it a little bit with the first one, how there was no real human bad guy antagonist and stuff. And, and there was no real reason, like it was just like, okay, it's, it's time, is basically why the, the, all the events of Ghostbusters 1 is just like, uh, you know, whatever. Because things aligned and suddenly it's time for this to happen. Right. There was no like real trigger. Whereas in Ghostbusters two, <sighs> it's it's because the painting was brought out. Yeah. So I think the painting was always malicious, right? But it's been like hidden away. I assume. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was brought, brought out to be restored. Yeah. And that painting is so creepy. Yeah, it is a very ugly painting. Yeah, like I mean, why would you yeah. put that in your museum? Like, I, I mean, you know, a lot of art is just a matter of its historical significance, right? So, yes. in their world, it was some some creepy creep who uh, who painted it. And now, therefore- the thing the movie didn't correlate quite well enough on on this, you know, hundred millionth viewing, more adult viewing, if you will, um, is how the painting and the pink goo are related. Um. It seems to indicate the pink goo is coming from the painting, but it's not 100% clear on that. Um, and it's like, how long has this painting been out that there's, like, only pink goo in the sewers now? You know? like Yeah. Uh, I mean, going to the headcanon. Yeah, because it says weeks. Like, the when they're in court, again, fictional court systems. We've oh talked goodness, about so this. so fast. So fast. I, I, I would love for real court systems to go, you know, at half the pace or even, like, you know, ugh. That would be amazing, but um, but yeah. So they're they're in court right away, and um, and 
In it, though, one of the witnesses is a guy who, like, works in the sewers, I guess. He's like, yeah, for weeks, all we've had is uh, is this pink goo. It must be them. Yeah. Which is like, A, that doesn't make any sense at all. Like, there's a logical leap there that makes n- no, no sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, the whole court thing was ridiculous. Oh my, the yeah, judge that is ridiculous. judge would uh, not be allowed to be a judge. Like, no, judges can't yeah. say shut up. Like, they say, be quiet, yes, but, like, they're supposed to be respectful. Yeah, they'll say something like, you know, order, I'm going to require that you be silent in order to allow this progress or I'll hold you in contempt and so on and so forth. Like, that that kind of thing. It's all really boring ways to say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it is remarkable. Just uh. Anyways, uh, um, and I think, you know, uh, clearly what they're doing for that is just to show how quickly his turnaround is when he sees ghosts that he recognizes. But uh which those ghosts to, those ghosts look so muppety to me. Like Yeah. They clearly they just look like muppets. Yeah. Um, in fact, every time I remember that scene like in my memory, like even before watching it last night, like the way my memory does that scene is it takes the peanut gallery muppets and puts them in that scene. That's exactly what I see, too. So I thought of, when I saw it, I thought of the Peanut Gallery Muppets, specifically their iteration from um, the Christmas Carol. Muppet Christmas Carol. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's what I see. Yeah. So, great. We're on the same page. It's like we have one brain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So this movie is definitely not as good as the first one. Um, I, feel, I, f- I feel like that's not really a thing that is argued very much. I, I, so. I think that's that's universally considered to be true. I think this okay. movie suffers from, uh, one, it's trying to reset everything back to where they were at the beginning of Ghostbusters 1. They didn't know how to make a sequel from continuing on to the from the Ghostbusters being famous and loved. So they were like, oh, we're just going to say they got sued for all the damages and like discredited and like all this stuff. And so there's no sense of character progression at all so like even if you can argue the first movie sure there's no character progression but maybe it takes place over such a short period of time like whatever you know but you're right like ghostbusters 2 they're just amped up versions of themselves they they these we have two movies of these people and they haven't grown or changed yeah I, i mean there's even the thing where it's like oh good dana got away from him Oh no, we're undoing that. <laughs> got a, got away from Vinkman, you know. Yeah, that that really bothered me because I feel like uh. in Ghostbusters one, while she might have been okay-ish with him at the end of Ghostbusters one, it wasn't like let's start a dating relationship, you know. And then in Ghostbusters two, it's indicated they were in a relationship for a really long time, and Vinkman was just a jerk to her, and now she wants like because he's back in her life, she's like, yeah, let's go on a date again. Yeah, it. Uh, uh- that's rough. Um, and also, she kind of has a husband, but doesn't, it's because I guess he left her, but that's not really ever firmly solidified. Yeah, they don't actually like, say they're divorced. Yeah. Just that he left. And she initially gives reasons, like, he's got a, he got a job over there, so I was like, so, are you taking a break? Like, what's, yeah, it, that, it, that whole thing makes me very uncomfortable. Also, how do you go from a celloist to an art restorer? Do, does Hollywood know that not all arts are the same? Like they're not, I, I know it's mind boggling. <laughs> just like all sciences aren't the same, you know, like I'm pretty sure all you need to do is have a science degree and you're good. <laughs> but it's like, you know, she's a cellist 
and she's rest- like I could understand if she needed to take back a step back from the symphony because she has a baby now and she's basically a single mom, right? That makes sense to me. But you'd think she'd be teaching private lessons or something, not art restoration. Yeah, just seems bizarre. I think yeah. they didn't really know how to start this movie off. Um, are there? Yeah, I mean, I don't think they really knew what to do with the movie for the most part. They're just like, how can we make this adhere as closely as possible to the plot of the first one and just do that? Um, All right, so science nitpick. And this is super nitpicky because this is just in continuity, go science. Um, When they put the pink goo in the toaster, the toaster just jumps around, right, when they play the happy music. They put the pink goo in the Statue of Liberty and they can make her walk? Yeah, I... uh, (laughs) It was a little bit of a logical. He was like, you guys spent a lot of effort spraying all this goo there. What if it just made her bounce around? Right. Like, I, like I mean, <laughs> or dance where she was, you know, or like. They, I'm not quite sure how the steering worked either. No. How do you direct her? Uh, it's, it doesn't um, make any sense. And once again, why are all these people standing outside the museum? And also, why is this clearly this goo that is uh, created by this evil entity, why is it manipulati- uh, able to be manipulated by positive emotions too? I don't like, know. What, 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 what is the reason that these ghost things or whatever would make this goo that is, like, uh, what is the benefit to it for it to be manipulated by any emotions rather so than only the negative The only ones? other thing that makes sense is the goo is there all the time and the bad guy just brought it out, but the goo can be brought out for good or ill purposes, but that is not made clear. That comes to the question of, once again, how is the goo actually related to the bad guy? Yeah, and that would be a thing where a single throwaway line was like, it looks like, you know, this goo isn't actually from this, it's just using it. Like, a simple Egon line about that would have been like, oh, okay, I got it. You know, like, but there is no line like that, so. um, Yeah. Yeah. Movie is a, a little bit of a, of a slimy mess. Um, that said, uh, you know, it's not an awful movie. No. And it's still fun. I, I, I still enjoy the Statue of Liberty part. Um, I mean, I don't rewatch Ghostbusters 2 a lot, but once again, fear of bathtubs because of this movie. So uh, that's why. <laughs> I mean, I still really like the movie, but all the caveats I gave for the first one where it's like, but I don't necessarily think it's great. They all apply to this one, but more. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, totally worth watching for people who haven't. You should watch it. You should watch one and two. Um, I mean, yeah, I I don't want us to seem to come come across as super negative. You all know, I mean, if you listen to this podcast for a long time, right, you know, Michael and I are completely capable of tearing apart a movie we love. Uh, Yes. One day we'll do a podcast completely devoted to Thor and you will hear me dissect my favorite movie and everything (laughs) that's wrong with it. Uh, I should. That's not my favorite, favorite movie, but. One, One of, of my favorite movies. Uh, so, you know, they're great movies. They're very much products of the 80s is really what it comes down to. And so it depends on how much those things are going to bother you. Yeah. And I think there's a big thing that you and I both try to do, which is if we like something, that doesn't mean we can't be – like we want to be critical about the things we like. Right. And um And I mean, if anything, the more I like something, the more I'm willing to be like, okay, what do I like it despite – like, what are the things I'm sort of giving it a pass on? And what are the things I'm not giving it a pass on, but I'm just, I'm trying not to let that stop me from enjoying it. Right. Um, and that's, yeah, there's a lot of that in these movies. Um, like, we've finally gotten far enough away. I mean, we're 
how many how many years? Thirty two years from the first one. Yeah. Now, that's crazy. Which um, which is why I think a reboot's not untimely. Yeah. So uh, we could just jump into the reboot if you're ready for I'm, that. I'm always right. ready. So uh, what were your expectations and thoughts going into this? Um, uh, yeah. Once again, you know, I'm not married to the Ghostbusters. Uh, I like the Ghostbusters, but I've always been of the strong opinion that some movies do need to be remade every once in a while. Um, not always for good effect. I'm looking at you the day the earth stood still. I'm just yeah. shaking my head. Uh, <laughs> you know, that movie could have been remade to great effect, and it just wasn't. Uh, but, okay, deep breaths. This is we're not talking about that movie. Uh, I, I was excited. Uh, I like Melissa McCarthy. I don't really know anything about Saturday Night Live or Saturday Night Live people, because, once again, I don't really like comedy. Um, but uh, I love Chris Hemsworth. I love Melissa McCarthy. And let's be honest, if Chris Hemsworth's in the movie, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> this is why I watched Rush. Do I care about Formula One racing? No. But Chris Hemsworth was in it, so. I think I Rush was it. worth watching, though. It was a good uh, movie, but I wouldn't have watched it otherwise, is what I'm saying. Okay. Um, that, okay, and there was so much controversy around Ghostbusters reboot that I had to see it just for that. Yeah, so me going into it, um, I, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say, and I don't think either you or nor I feel like debating, I do not think there is pretty much any of uh, validity behind all the opposition to Ghostbusters leading up to it. No. I think it's entirely born out of sexism, and I don't really think there's more to talk about on that I, I will say the first trailer was poorly made, but oh yeah, trailers but not... are poorly made all the time. Yes. And trailer I, and people thing, are that... completely different from movie people. And, and that's exactly what I – like, it's not a matter of, hey, nobody could be – feel apprehensive about it. Right. But all the, the rancor that this got – in advance, that's just born out of sexism, and I that like there's not really any other root cause of that. Um, I mean, so, how many reboots of Spider-Man have we had? Exactly. So going into this, um, my expectations, I already knew that I really liked the original Ghostbusters, but wasn't really married to them, and didn't think that the quality was the same as the affection. Like, like you know, they're yeah. two separate things, and so I was like, all right, it's fine. They could do another one. So uh, going into this one, I watched the three movies three nights in a row. So I did one, two, and then this. And I came out of the first two. I was like, you know, I'm pretty sure they could make a movie that's as good as the first two without too much difficulty. Like, I, that's pretty much what I went in feeling like they could do. Um, and I, yeah, so I was ready to watch that and ready to enjoy myself. Um, I am similar. So I do like comedy, but it depends on the brand. I'm not a fan of the... Um, Saturday Night Live style humor that is very popular today and a lot of modern comedies there are a lot of things like um, the uh, what's the um, the hangover movies like that that I I either skip because they're just not my brand of humor or I've watched them and I understand why other people think they're hilarious but eh I watched you know, the I, uh, TBS cut of the hangover and yeah. liked it and will only, will not be watching the full cut cuz that's that's my thing with comedies right i don't like crude humor uh yeah. i don't like um for lack of a better word penis jokes <laughs> i don't like uh you know guy humor if you will that like the whole movie is just like there's a lot of movies out there ghostbusters is not one of them where 
either. And like the original Ghostbusters is not one of them where the only humor is like, haha, right. we're guys. And it's so funny. Haha, we're guys. Exactly. And I, yeah, and I, I'm not into I that. I don't humor like that. Uh, the reason why I like movies like Ghostbusters, um, Galaxy Quest, uh, is because they're making fun of something with love. Right. Targeted humor is yeah. kind of the, the thing. And, and that's exactly. So my, my expectation was, okay, there are a bunch of these comedians who I have, you know, I'm sure I have full respect for. I've seen basically nothing that they're in. I, you know, I've seen snippets here and there of Saturday Night Live stuff that I get other people really like. You can get a laugh out of me with crude humor. But when you start, you know, if you have like one joke here, one joke, another there, I'll, I'll laugh and I'll find some of it funny. But when you're repeating, when it's a lot of it, I just, I, I get tired of it very, very, very quickly. And so going in, I was like, all right, well, we'll see, we'll see what they do. Um, I don't think any of these actresses, their, I don't think their humor is normally my brand of humor, but that doesn't mean I don't think they're funny people. It's just a matter of, they are very much producing I, the type of humor that our times are strong. Well, and this is all expectations before going Right. And movie. before talking about the movie, I also uh, think there's a difference between like, stand-up comedy and a movie mm -hmm. like so even if i don't like i don't really like robin williams's stand-up comedy right right but i think he's hilarious in movies because there's yes. a difference between acting and stand-up comedy and sometimes i think people can't differentiate and they're like well i just don't like that comedian i i don't know i'm gonna make up one of the four ladies kristen wig i don't know anything about her comedy so please if this is off base whatever they're like i don't like kristen wig on saturday night live she's not funny well, like okay but she didn't write the movie <laughs> like right. you know she just has to get the comedic timing right which is not always something you can teach right like so as long as she has decent timing and is a good actor it'll be okay she didn't write the movie so like Melissa McCarthy is not a comedian. She's an actress, you know? Right. So like, I don't care if she's funny in real life. She can act. So we're going to be okay. Not, not, you know, and that's, I'm not making any comment about the movie. This was kind of my expectation and conversations going in. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. And that's exactly as I went in thinking, I don't normally like their brand of humor. That doesn't mean I did not. That didn't mean I expected not to enjoy the humor in the movie. Right. Like those are, Two separate things, so, yeah. Um, I guess we can go into kind of the intro to the movie itself, which immediately set this up to be like, oh, this is way scarier than the first two. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, which I appreciated. Um, and I was very uncomfortable with and did not appreciate. I but I understood, like again, it's, the 2016, it's 2016. Those two were made in the 80s, different times, different audiences. There's going to be this is going to be a recurring theme. I also don't think it's substantially scarier than the original. I think it's just better graphics. Uh, you know, uh, a better history of horror movies that exist now. Like there was nothing in that opening scene that wasn't overtly tropey for a purpose, right? No, like, not at all. And so it was all expected. Like you expected the door to open and then when you realize it's a trick, right? He had that little hand thing. You're like, "Oh, that's clever." But then like it starts like building from that. Yeah. So, and and yeah. that's really, they just went further than I thought they were going to in that first scene is, is really, which, you know, we've talked but about I think this. That first I watched scene supernatural the scariest scene in the movie. <laughs> yes, I would agree. Um, and so it was a bit much for me. Uh, but I mean, again, it's not like I didn't watch the movie and stuff and I was past it and it was fine. But um, I, when I was watching it, 
it was in a very small audience. And there were a couple of people, like, there was a girl in the theater who said, like, I can't do this after, like, the second or third scary scene in the movie. And I was like, okay, so the the very, I didn't think the same thing, but some of that emotion that I had in that movie, I don't think I had, I would have as an adult watching either of the original movies. Um, just because it just, <laughs> for me at least, just barely crossed the line of like, ooh, now it's like super uncomfortable yeah, for just a couple you know, parts here. We're kind of opposites on that scale. I can handle a lot of scary. Right. Um, you know, to me, Cabin in the Woods was the edge of that line of like, what's almost too scary to be funny. Uh, yeah. And this wasn't even close to Cabin of the Woods level scary. So, so And I mean, and I really like Cabin in the Woods. It's one of very few, I guess, horror type things that I can do, but I was very uncomfortable the entire time. Um, yeah. 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 So anyway, and that's definitely yeah. fair. I definitely had that thought in the theater that this opening scene is scarier than anything in Ghostbusters, excepting five-year-old Mandy watching that bathtub scene. Cause nothing. Right. It, exactly. And it, it is hard to, I mean, <laughs> I was much less scared watching this than as a kid watching the first Ghostbusters. Right. But, but I don't I'm, know if I would let my kid watch the opening scene of this movie. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I'm in, in fact, a friend of mine, tweeted at me when she knew that I was going to. She's like, hey, you know our daughters. Can you let us know afterwards if you think this is appropriate for them? And I responded afterwards like, no, definitely not your younger one. Your older one, like, I would only go after you've watched, if you've had her watch the second one, like Ghostbusters 1 and 2, and you think she can handle significantly more, then then okay, maybe. Yeah, but, but I, and I also yeah. think that's a statement of how much times have changed since the 80s. Because right. when the original Ghostbusters came out, PG-13 was a brand new thing. Brand right. new. And Ghostbusters didn't make PG-13. Um, now, I don't remember, was this movie PG-13? Yes, yeah, yeah this one now, is PG-13. almost every movie is PG-13. Yeah. Like, that's just the standard, right? G movies barely exist anymore. Yeah, uh, it's basically just the animated movies. that, yeah. uh, And not even all di- animated movies. Like, no. The Incredibles is PG, I'm pretty sure. So... Uh, yeah, because there's violence and right. so on. So PG-13 is a lot more standard, and a lot more parents these days, for better or for worse, are more comfortable taking their children to PG-13 movies. That said, if I had a small child, I would fast-forward through the first scene, and I would fast-forward through all the subway scenes. Um, but, yeah, that's just me. Yeah. Um, okay, so, <laughs> past this opening scene, uh, how do you feel about how uh, Dr. Aaron Gilbert is introduced? I love it. Yeah, I love too. her. Okay, so this is something that this movie has an edge on over the original Ghostbusters, and I'm going to put that down to how movies were written. Is This movie, everyone has a reason for being a Ghostbuster. Yeah. The original movie, I have no idea why these people are even friends, let alone why they're chasing ghosts. Like, well, they were working in the lab together. In well, the first sure, movie. sure. But, you know, if I was kicked out of my lab, I'm not bringing Vakeman with me to my new business. But whatever. Um Sorry, I'm like having a sickness <laughs> problem over here. Um, but in this movie, you know, other than Holtzman, who is, she was working in the lab, which, you know, you don't get like an elaborate backstory for her. Uh, we know why Abby and uh, I Aaron. Aaron want to chase ghosts. We Aaron know- with an E for everything you want. <laughs> we know why uh, Patty. Yes. Patty is there. Right? She thinks it's a book club. It's not a book club. Um, <laughs> like, 
they they have a reason and the bonds of friendship feel more real whereas watching the original ghostbusters real watching it i'm like why are any of these people friends like yep. you know like bankman is horrible too really it's just like why are the, any of these people friends with bankman and really i think it comes down to uh, i had a long twitter conversation with someone about this yesterday that uh there's a couple of reasons. One, scientists don't like to talk to other people. So if there's one guy in the lab who wants to talk to other people, you keep him, uh, even if you don't like him, because you <laughs> don't want to be the person who talks to other people. So he's the one you send to the outside, even if he's terrible at it, because he's okay with doing it. So you can just do your work. Or two, they're so socially inept, they don't actually realize Venkman is also a horrible person. Because I've definitely been in that situation where... Uh, I've seen someone who people think is more charismatic, so they must be socially graceful and okay because we're not. Uh, and then really they're just a horrible person and you just don't have the social skills to know. I'm an engineer. I've been in these situations. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that, that that is a very compelling headcanon reason for why they're... But it's completely headcanon. Whereas in the completely. new Ghostbusters, we have more than headcanon, right? Yeah. Like Abby and Aaron are high school friends, uh, you know, who... Uh, I presume also went to college together and were really wanted to study the same thing. And then at one point, you know, Aaron quote unquote sold out cause she wanted to be taken seriously. Um, whereas Abby went down the path of, you know, random college to study supernatural thing. We also have a reason why, uh, Aaron got into this in the first place as a scientific person too. It's like, well, why did you go down this path? It's like, Oh, because she saw something when she was young. Like that is why. Like, she had a reason. And, and it's like, oh, that's totally compelling, we, actually. We have a that, reason <laughs> why these scientists believe ghosts are real. Yeah. And um, they all believe, which, you know, Bankman never really believed ghosts were real until he saw one. Saw. And even after he saw one, he's still such a super con artist that I'm like, he, he can't, like, I don't know, Bankman's a weird character. Yeah. Uh, but, so I really appreciated that, but I think that's more modern storytelling. I think in the eighties you could get away with not explaining these things. Yeah, you could hand wave science and all that stuff, and you could just motives. be like, these people don't need a backstory. They're just people who want to bust ghosts. Right, but for me, I mean, you know, it is a little upsetting. You think about in our world, right? Like, what would it take for somebody who is actually scientific minded to believe this? It's like, no, they'd have to have had some evidence. And they're like, well, I'm also a scientist, so let me find a way to prove this. Right, and she, her yeah. whole thing is, like, no one would believe her. So she probably wanted to go into science to prove it, you know? So right. people would take her seriously. And then when she couldn't, after years, she got disillusioned. And so that's why she sells out and goes, you know, pure physics and tries to pretend this stuff never happened. Because her whole thing was she wanted people to believe her. Yeah. Right. Whereas Abby doesn't care if people believe her. And that kind of shows in both of them and how they respond to the mayor. Right. Yes. Because the mayor's office whole thing is, oh, we totally believe you. We just don't want people to believe you because, you know, chaos, uh, which is totally a politician thing that I would buy. Um, yeah. And so they're like, we're going to support you. We're going to fully fund you. But uh, we're also going to discredit you in the press. Mm hmm. Which so that that doesn't bother Abby because all Abby cares about is fighting is like the the hunt you know the yeah, science. Like, so do I still get to keep doing my job? Right. Cool. Whereas I'm Aaron down. actually cares about the uh, validation. Right. And so um, yeah, and we'll get into the kind of the ending at, when we get to the ending, but uh, and how that relates back. Um, I think uh, I mean just talking about the characters. Uh, I really love Aaron as a character. I think she's just. Adorably goofy. 
Um, I also, I really like how none of the characters are perfect analogs to no, the characters in the original. So it's like, this is really not a remake. It's a reboot. Right. Like um, the closest like is like, Abby is kind of Ray, right? And Holtzman right, is kind like of super Egon, enthusiastic just for but they're not sake. really like, right. Cause Holtzman, while not social is a lot more excited than e- Egon's a Vulcan. Right. Which I love. Yeah. I, that is not a, 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 a criticism. Derogatory. Term. Right. I love Vulcans. <laughs> I, <laughs> there was a long period of my life where I wanted to be Vulcan. So, you know, <laughs> uh, but Holtzman's not a Vulcan, but she is the socially awkward engineer. Right. Uh, right. And Abby is excited. Like Ray was excited. But if that's our only parallel, they're both excited. Like that's like saying they're both brown haired, you know, like, that's right. not really a direct analog. And then, of course, we have the token black character, because apparently we can't get away from tokenism. But Yeah, and, and that... I really that is, wish they had made one of the scientists uh, a lady of color instead of the... Yes. Yeah, that, that is one of the few things about the casting in this that make me uncomfortable is like, cause Leslie Jones was fantastic in the role. She was not just street smart, which is, if you think about it was basically like if as a character in the first two movies, um, Winston was great. You know, he, he did well. He was like, he was funny. He kind of had some, some heart to him and, and stuff like that. But, but he, that was basically the stereotypical role that you would have a black man play. It was kind of like the, a man the, of faith. Cause he like, you know, quotes the Bible and is like, right. you know, like that's very stereotypical of, I would say black men in the eighties. Yeah. And so having Leslie Jones playing Patty, they did skirt around that. Like they didn't just make her purely be streetwise. Like she's no, no, no. I read nonfiction. I know all this history, yeah, but I would rather she had been a historian at the Absolutely. university who yeah, I, believed them. Yeah, and that's is like they didn't do the worst version of this that they could have, but they also could have done so much better. Yes. And that was frustrating. And it would have been um, once again, this goes back to the idea that tokenism makes no one feel good. Like so if if she had been who she was and let's say Holtzman had been black. Yeah. No one would have a problem, right? Cuz then it's not a token, right. right? You have two wonderful black characters. Uh, but instead when you make all, if the whole problem with tokenism is that is the, like all people are, all women are represented by Dana. Yeah, absolutely. It's when you have a movie, you know, from the eighties or nineties or even from now where you have a, you know, several leading men, one woman, and she's an airhead. That's not cool. If you have an airheaded woman in a movie where you have a whole bunch of women and several of them are self-actualized and so on, nobody cares about the one who's a you know, who's an airhead. Cause right. like, okay, it, it well, goes back you know, to why fine. no one has a problem with the bad guy in Ghostbusters too. I mean, right. they might have a problem with him as a character in the sense of they don't like the movie, but they're not but offended. They're not by, offended by him. Yeah. So, um, I love, yeah. It. So it, it's an interesting thing, but I, I mean, all that said, I think the performances by all the ladies just really, really solid. Like I, I, I enjoyed them a lot. So much. And like, I wish I loved Holtzman as much as everybody else seems to. I think I thought she was like she did her job well, but I was like, all right, that's fine. It's another Holtzman scene. It's um, just you know, everybody else loves her so much, and I totally get it. But, it's just like know. that crossover between like an engineer and someone who loves weapons, right? Like, 
and just like socially awkward and really doesn't know what she's doing in the sense of with people. Right. And is just like excited about her guns. Like, and has other people who are excited about them too. And I, and something else I appreciated that's related to Holtzman is how the technology evolved in this movie based on their interactions with ghosts. Right? Because they're like, yeah, we have this proton pack thing. Oh, it needs to be more mobile. You know? Yeah. I like, oh, yeah, now we have this thing. Uh, but we fought this uh, dragon thing and that didn't really go well. Uh, so here's the shredder. You know, like based on their interactions with the ghosts, they changed their game plan. Uh, and that just seemed really uh, awesome to me and, and very modern. You know, in the 80s, you know, technology was a lot more stagnant than it is now. Now things change a lot. Um, and so, you know, your plan is going to change based on the things you meet in the field. Yeah. Um, and and this will go, I think we're, we're getting to my primary criticism of the movie. Um, as someone who, I, I guess I should say up front, I really like the movie. I do actually think qualitatively it's on par with the first one, at least. Um, so before I start criticizing, um, really. But I think that um, for me, and this is absolutely a personal taste thing, not a quality thing, is everything that I like in it just gets carried on just a bit too far for me. Like, like everything is just a little bit too much. Um, I mean, and that's, that goes for like the humor, the weapons, the, like the, the, the pacing, um, Holtzman as a character, like everything, like I can find, Oh, I like that. I like, uh, okay. You crossed the line. Like, like every, pretty much the whole movie. It's just like, Oh, just a little too much. Um, which is like I said, purely a personal taste thing. And I think that's what it, what it was for Holzman is like, I really liked Holzman at first. And then I started to get tired of her later. And it doesn't mean that she did her job poorly. It's just like, all right, let's tone it down just a little bit. Um, which is like, this is nowhere near the first movie that I felt about, that way about a character, about a nerdy character, like, you know, male or female and stuff like that. And you know what? I'm super glad that it's a female character who gets to like be in that role in this movie. Because that is so normally just like the dude in glasses who is oblivious to how weird his enthusiasm is um, normally. So like I again, I do actually like her character. I like all of their characters, but all of them are like, all right, let's. By the end of the movie, I was like, like trying to like kind of craving slightly slower pace by the end, Um, which again, just a bit much for me. but yeah, I th- I it's basically my only criticism. What? As I didn't have that problem, but yeah. well, and it is very much like that is pretty much. I think any any other thing. I don't really have many, much else in the way of criticisms because everything else is just going to come to that. But a, I liked X, Y, and Z, so I have a lot more positive things to yeah. say. Yeah, I mean, I will have to say I'd have to watch this movie at least one more time to figure out plot holes, which I'm sure exist. I can't oh, yeah. think of them right now because I've only seen this movie once. Uh, so if you're listening, anyone listening to this, be like, but there's this major plot hole. It, there probably is. I just, <laughs> you know, it's not as obvious as, uh, I don't know, Star Trek into darkness. I'm sorry. Um, no, no, it's not. <laughs> so, um, I think, um, I think Abby and Aaron really carry the whole movie. Um, and it's their, and, and that's another thing. This this movie actually had like character development, 
Yes. And a story that's beyond the ghostbusting story, like a, a character story, which I really appreciated. Um, and uh, let, let's see, let's see. Um, well, so, Chris so along those lines, well, so just on a, on a positive side, like what you just said, the, the kind of the character development and the relationships, like the thing that it, the things that it does to establish these friendships that have already existed and are being restored or friendships that are being built from scratch it goes so far beyond anything the first two movies did. Oh yeah. Um, and those are, those are traits that we normally look for in what we call good movies, right. you know? And, and those are elements that are completely absent in the first ones. Like their, right. their friendships are not the only people who feel like they have a natural friendship. in the first two are Egon and, um, um, um Ray. Ray. Yes. Sorry. Egon and Ray, but it's just like, all right, it feels like they've had this relationship yeah. with each other, but like Aaron and Abby, there is history there. It's built up. We learn about it. It feels like it's been restored. Holtzman, like, coming in. You know, you could have done the thing where she, she like, objects to somebody coming in and butting into her relationship with Abby. But she, like, loves Aaron by, you know, like, they're, right. they're, they're in on it. And that is done so, so, so well in this movie. And then you tack on to the fact that it's done well in a movie that stars several women and we don't get that often enough. Right. Like, you know, it's like, that is... Again, like I said, like please, pe- like don't don't put too much on the criticisms that I just gave because there are a bunch of things that this movie does really well, and I really appreciate that. Um, and and there's some small things this movie does well with, like they can't afford the the firehouse. Yes, I loved that so much when I saw the firehouse initially. I was like, oh no, and then I laughed when they couldn't afford it. And I was then like, they oh, okay, end up upstairs above a a restaurant, and I, I just loved that. Um, yeah. And uh, I love that there's no romance in this movie. Uh, yes. Because the romance in Ghostbusters 1 uh, is completely unnecessary and it shouldn't be there. Uh, the movie would be just fine if Dana never softened to Venkman. Yes, absolutely. But, you know, they felt the need to, you know, whatever. In uh, this one, there's is there awkwardness with Aaron and... Uh, Chris Hemsworth's character, yes, but I also like how all the other characters disprove of everything of Aaron's like uh, objectification of uh, Chris Hemsworth. Yes, uh, they're just like shaking their heads at her and like, "What are you doing? Like, stop." Yeah. Um, <laughs> though Chris Hemsworth, why did they even hire him? Gosh, I you know I I so he initially bothered me as a character when I was watching and. Let's step back for a second because, you know, there are people who – there are men who will get offended by his representation in the movie who wouldn't get offended by a similar representation in the opposite direction. Yeah. And if you're not going to criticize both, then you don't really have a place to say something. And also, um, all for the fact that, you know, this movie is about four women. If you look at the original Ghostbusters, there are only two women in the whole cast, right? right. Dana and Janine. If you look at this movie – not only is Chris Hemsworth a dude, the bad guy's a dude, the mayor is a dude, the mayor's two, like, I don't know, right. CIA, FBI, whatever they were, people were dudes. Like, the, the takeout guy was a dude. Like, there are dudes everywhere. The entire cast of the original Ghostbusters, the entire cast, you know, extras withstanding, speaking roles, there are two. Yep. Um, and, and, but going back to, so I was initially really bothered by his representation because I am bothered whenever women are presented that way. And I'm like, well, we don't need to do the same thing in the opposite direction. We just need to stop doing it. But 
as it went on, it's like, okay, no, he's so ridiculous and so over the top that it's just a clear caricature, right? Like, this is not... Nobody believes that this is how no, a guy is. Nobody could get what? to that age with their full uh, mental ca- capabilities and right. be that way. Yeah, like this is very clearly a an over-the-top comedy bit that is specifically meant as commentary on how ridiculous this thing is. Right. And so, like, when I got to that point, I was like, oh, okay, I'm fine with it. So... Um, but in, so yeah, and and he did a great job at being really stupid, which is great. And then Chris Hemsworth also got a chance to act as not stupid when he got possessed. Yeah, yeah. So um, so that was kind of my my bit on Chris Hemsworth. Initially bothered me. By the end, didn't because it's like, all right, well, you know, th- this is this is not them just trying to get their kicks and and flip the flip the script. You know, this is them being like, Hey, this is always ridiculous. And we're going to make this as ridiculous as we possibly can. Right. And it's recognized as ridiculous within the movie too. Yes. It's absolutely. Like how he can't answer a phone. We're going to have to unhook his phone, you know, but they feel too bad to fire him, you know, and no one else applied for the job that they'd probably be better off having not hired anyone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the bad guy, what did you think about the bad guy? Um, I really liked how he was introduced, uh, because I, I mean, I didn't know how they were going to do it. I mean, I was expecting some like deep lore and I kind of missed that a little bit. Um, I kinda, I, I did miss that initially. Um, but I really liked the idea that it was a human who propelled things with, because I can totally see a random angry dude from the internet doing this. Like, you know, like, it's like oh, I, I see people who get irrationally angry over things and decide that they want. I mean, we know this happens. So, um, so I buy that, and I like that it it gave some, it gave their their an actual reason for these terrible things that started happening. Right, like I mean, in the original Ghostbusters, you kind of get this idea that ghosts are popping up more because Gozer's coming, right? Right. But in both of them. You, in any Ghostbusters movie, you need a reason why there are more ghosts now. Because we all live in the world that Ghostbusters presumably takes place in, right? And we're like, well, yeah. I'm not seeing ghosts all the time. No one I know lives in a haunted house. And so, like, yeah, you would discredit little Aaron who's saying there's a ghost by my bed every night. Because you're like, there are no ghosts, honey. Like, go to sleep. It's just a nightmare. Uh, but all of these movies have to have some reason why now ghosts are popping up in a way that is unprecedented. Um, so you're right. This one, it chose not to go the lore route. And I think it partially did that to be different. Yeah, um, which I can respect. <laughs> and I also like the idea that if you have this ghost technology that the Ghostbusters are developing, someone else could also be developing that same ghost technology for evil purposes. Um, so which they address explicitly, which is yeah, great. Yeah. They, they use, he used their book, um, to, to get his ideas. So that's like, that's great and perfect. Um, I also liked that, you know, he, here's this guy who's been bullied trying to say, you don't understand what it's like to be bullied. And Abby's like, what? No, you're wrong. Like, you know, what's good? It's in like, the no, world? look at us. Uh, soup? <laughs> soup is good. Like, you know, like these are women who have also been constantly put down, but they're not bringing about the apocalypse. And I think that's a case for, uh, a lot of bad guys, right? Like, um, you know, going back to my favorite bad guy, Loki, you know, a lot of us have had horrible family experiences, but we're not, you know, murdering millions of people, uh, you know, so it all comes down to the fact that you don't have to become a bad guy. You choose right. what to do 
with the experiences. Your experiences do not make you a bad guy. So, you know, the bad guy and these women are the same in their life experience. It's just they made different choices. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I could also have a really long discussion about Luke Skywalker versus Anakin Skywalker on that exact same topic, but we're not going to go oh, there. Oh, absolutely. Right now. I mean, we've we've had the conversation about uh, sympathetic villains, and it doesn't change the fact that you're a villain. Right. Like it, it doesn't. You know, that's on you. Your villainy is on you. <laughs> yeah, and and that's what it comes down to, right? This guy, you know, he was bullied, and we've all been there, right? Uh, but he just made different choices. You know, he even says like, "Now I'm going to be the bully." Uh, yeah. And so it's like, and, and you know, he doesn't have a community around him. Everyone thinks he's weird. And I think that's the importance of, you know, Abby having Holtzman and Aaron and, you know, all these other women banding together. And I'm going to say something that's maybe going to be a bit pr- provocative, not to you, I don't think, but um, a lot of the people who were hating on this movie before it came out, before they knew what it was going to be like, uh, they are this bad guy. Yeah. Like, and they, when they watch this, they may be offended by him and they should be because they are him. Like whether they like it or not, you know, like it's, and because they're, they're hating on the movie, the way that it's done is not a thing that is an isolated incident in their lives. It is, you know, they very much, a lot of the time feel uh, you know, you addressed it earlier, the, the stereotypical, like, in quotes, nice guy who's like, who feels put upon and as if they deserve things that they don't have because they've been nice, you know, so-called nice. It's like, well, no, that's not how it works. And your suffering is not worse than a whole bunch of other people's. You know, it, it's just like, don't, there are ways that you can live your life in a constructive way and have decent conversations with people and respect other people and, and so on in response, and you're not doing it. I also um, think um, Chris Hemsworth's character named Kevin. Yes, Kevin. Okay. So, uh, you know, this bad guy possesses Kevin. And I think he has this assumption that because of the way Kevin looks, Kevin is a certain way. Uh, which Kevin is like a slightly slow golden retriever puppy. Um, yeah. And I think that's a direct play on the fact that people are treating this bad guy because he looks a certain way. This bad guy is doing the exact same thing to Kevin, assuming he must have been a bully or, you know, getting all these ladies because, you know, he's Chris Hemsworth. Uh, But from what we know of Kevin, he's so socially awkward in his own way that I'm not entirely sure Kevin is getting a lot of ladies because he couldn't even tell when Aaron was interested in him. And she is like, over the top, you know, like, uh, and so it works both ways, right? Like, yes, those of us who are not as pretty sometimes, you know, get treated (laughs) a certain way, but sometimes people who are pretty also get treated a certain way just because of assumptions are made about people based on the way they look all the time. And Kevin is just as guilty of that. Not Kevin. The bad guy is just as guilty of that, doing that to Kevin as people are to him. Yeah, I'm not sure Kevin's making any assumptions about anything. Kevin makes no assumptions. <laughs> Kevin needs to be told something point blank multiple times and possibly still doesn't get it then. Probably still doesn't get it. Yeah. But um, yeah. Um, so I guess uh, going on. Oh, oh, I do have one other criticism of the movie that doesn't have to do with like escalation is the pacing felt very weird to me. Um, and that like it was very lurchy, I guess. 
Um, whereas one of the things I really love about the first movie is how consistent the pacing is. And this one, it just, sometimes I wasn't, it just didn't feel like I had a natural flow to it. Um, and part of that goes into another thing I credited the first movie with was how it felt like a natural escalation to the city really appreciating them. And that never felt like they did that in this one. Well, cause like, the city like, doesn't so, appreciate them even well, at the end. But, um, sort of, but I mean, we never, I don't feel like we even get the idea that because, well, no, the, the city does appreciate them at the end of this one. No. Yeah, they do. Remember the, on the rooftop, the lights in the buildings? Oh, yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they do. They get appreciated at the end. But, but before that, like when they're being told like, hey, don't make the noise, like don't, don't get the press about all this stuff. Like it doesn't really sell me that this is happening over enough of a period of time that the mayor and them even have to worry about the attention that they're getting. Like, well, because I think those I are think, two entirely like this one is a bad guy actively setting these things out. So I don't think it does happen over a long period of time. The original right. one though is like a natural, almost like a, a yeah, it's seismic, building. It's like a force of building, nature. Kind of. Yeah. Like, so that is going to be slower overall. Um, I will say that this one is more, the plot is more pointed. Like, yeah. it's very clear. It's all building towards the same plot. Whereas in the original one, when you, I, I don't know because I don't remember not watching it. But I feel like if you're watching it not knowing where it's going, you're kind of like, well, we have this one mention of Zool like 20 minutes in. And then we drop that for like a half hour. You know, yeah. So I can imagine that might have felt like weird. Like it, Even though we know now, looking back, that all those ghost appearances are the natural progression towards uh, the, the, the god arriving. Like, I could see that the, the movie's not as clear about that as this one is very clear that these things are being caused by a dude. Like, they're devices. You know? Yeah, I, I guess the big thing is what it felt like, because, you know, they describe the ley lines that the guys, you know, basically Using, yeah. dropping his devices along in this. And, you know, we see them in the concert, which is kind of their big breakout instance, right? Right. Um, where a bunch of the public finally, like, knows who they are. But I think what would have been nice for me, what would have just, like, flipped this just a little bit, would have been if we saw, it's like, okay, his devices cause something big to happen, but because it's along the ley lines, you start to see more activity along them. And so then, so like, just like a little bit, like a really brief, you know, minute and a half mon montage of... See, but this isn't an you know, 80s movie. We don't have montages. Yeah, but I, and that's the thing is, I think it's hurt for not having it. Like, I, I mean, I know it's not an 80s movie, but it, to me, that, just that little bit of build to being like, hey, this is a thing they're actually doing more than twice. I mean, the last know, movie was, I can think of that had a montage was Captain America, the first Avenger. Well... And I guess that's the, and the thing, though, is... people knock it for having a montage. Yeah, but, um, I, mean, I mean, the thing is, to me, I mean, part of my thing, too, um, you talked about the the weapon escalation, which I actually, I agree, is cool that it's, that they're developed in response, but it's like, but if they only have a couple of times they've done it, I buy the escalation less of, like, the weapons being developed further, whereas, oh, this is a thing, like, we're consistent, like, we're going out, catching a ghost reevaluating, making a change, going out, doing another one, reevaluating, making a change. Like you can do that. It, I feel like it would be very little time commitment movie wise to sell me on the ramp up very briefly, even in this con like contracted period of time. Um, but again, like 
it's not necessarily saying they needed to do that, but it's a thing that's going to make me appreciate the old movie more than this one in that way, because like, it's easier for me to, to get into the progression, whatever that time progression is, it's easier for me to buy it. Um, because of just the way the movie was. And it, and yeah, like as you said, very much product of the times. We don't do montages now and so on, but it's like we're not doing anything to serve the same purpose as the montage either. And I think that, that there, is, there is something there that should be served. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, again, it's very much a personal taste thing. Um, that is... I think I even tweeted this at the time. Is like I genuinely think that this is about as good as the first one, it like for the time it releases. But personal tastes are probably going to make it so I don't like it quite as much. But that might change. Um. Anyways, um, I don't know. I feel like the la- the lack of the main character not being a complete creeper just makes this one better. And that's true. And I think that that's probably going to long term. That's probably going to swing me the other way. Is like I, I'll wish that it had some of the elements of the first one. But, I mean, for all that uh, you would not want to show this movie to a small child because it's scary. I really wouldn't show the first Ghostbusters to my small child because of Bankman. Yeah, I, I, that might have to be like a hey. I want you to know ahead of time. This main character, he's a terrible person, and think about that. Yeah. <laughs> like. Um, it would have to be something you very much discuss before and after the movie. That even if yeah. the movie approves of this character, we do not. Yeah. Um, oof. Anyways, uh, yeah, I, I think um, some of the other characters. So uh, you mentioned the mayor earlier, and um, or, we were talking about the mayors in all three movies, or the you know the mayor in the first two versus this one. I really like kind of that. That political stance, like you said, I could totally see the politicians saying that, you know, yeah, we don't want everybody to know because they'll freak out. Yeah. But man, this mayor, like, he was really weird. <laughs> and the way that he just delivers his speech. Um, yeah, and I don't, I don't know enough about New York City mayors to know if any of the mayors are like a political statement. You know? Yeah, I don't either. Because uh, we're not New Yorkers. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, you know, most of the mayor stuff was actually left to the mayor's assistant, right? Like she was the one handling the stuff and the mayor, it almost came off to me was a little more of a figurehead, um, which I feel like might be a statement of modern politics somewhere, whether it's New York city or higher, I I don't know. (laughs) Um, you know, I, I don't think it's a statement on the current election by any means because this movie was being developed before the election. Right. Um, you know, it was filmed last year. So, uh, so if it is, a it's very likely just a general statement on politics right. rather than specifics. Right. But. So, uh, I, but I, I do think that policy is a lot more believable than what Ghostbusters one and two together want me to buy. So less of Ghostbusters one, more what Ghostbusters two tries to say about Ghostbusters one is that the mayor supported them, said, come save me and then stuck them with all the charges and then demonized them in the eyes of everybody. Like that just seems like vindictive. I I, I don't know. And the mayor didn't strike me in Ghostbusters one. It's vindictive. So Ghostbusters two just kind of came along and was like, once again, in their mistake that they felt they need to reset back to where Ghostbusters 1 at the beginning was, uh, I, it just felt every, – every once in a while, sequels do that, right? Where they come in and they state something about the previous movie that you're just like, what? Mm-hmm. And that doesn't feel right. Um, so once again, I like the mayor in Ghostbusters 1, the original. I like the mayor in this one. Not the mayor necessarily himself, but like 
the mare complex. The mare complex in Ghostbusters 2 just kind of strikes me as weird. Yeah. Um, how about the FBI? Or, excuse me, Homeland Security. Is that what they were? Homeland Security? Yeah, they were Homeland Security. Uh, I totally buy them as being like, yeah. we. this is what we do. But then they're not like prepared to deal with it. Um, right. And like, This is our domain, but uh, we don't actually know how to do this. So. Right, right. Like, I, I can see that happening. And I can totally think that in, this, in, in the modern era that Homeland Security would be in on something like this. Like, yeah, like, we, you don't necessarily need a separate paranormal... Uh, organizations like if something like this started to crop up, well, yeah, right. And this guy is basically a ghost terrorist, right? Like yeah. that's his whole thing. He's he's personally creating terror to be a bully to people. Like right. So that's totally a homeland security thing. Just like the X Files, you know, all the cases they deal with are very like FBI type cases, right? You know, uh, it makes sense. And then, yeah, you don't want this private group coming in and doing something. That's not the way, like, our government works. Like, you don't bring in yeah. your private army to stop the terrorists. Like, yeah, I mean, I feel like their response was actually totally reasonable. It was like, hey, no, like, please don't do this. And then it's like, oh, we actually don't know how to handle this, so I guess we'll let you help. Like, it's like well, it's it, it almost like, like they're contractors. Got, they got frozen, right, by yeah. uh, Kevin slash bad guy. Uh, there's like that whole army is standing there, right? Like the National Guard or whatever and Homeland Security. And Kevin just, Kevin, bad guy Kevin, completely takes over them. Uh, and so there's nothing they can do at that point. Well, and a great thing too is you don't see the weird antagonism that often happens between the people who know what they're doing and the and the government. Like, you know, Abby at one point is like, hey, I'm going to call this in. Yeah. And she calls it in. She calls it into them. Right. She's like, Which is like they're dealing good. with it. I need to let them know uh, we want to help. Uh, so I'm going to call it in to Homeland Security dudes. Yeah. And I like that dynamic that they didn't have to turn it into the weird trope that you normally end up having in these right. situations. Now, they so. did end up saving Homeland Security's butt. But, you know, now. But it wasn't like a ha, take that moment. It right. was like a, oh, we're going to do this because. We need to. And now you know. with the end of the movie, they're basically subcontracted to the mayoral office, right? Like, exactly. That now they're part of the government complex. Right. And and that that whole thing really did I mean, it worked smoothly, it worked nicely. I I really liked how that whole whole relationship worked out. Yeah. Um, it's like the opposite of the EPA guy and the original yes. Ghostbusters. Exactly. Um, Which is a t- cooperation rather than antagonism. Right. It's a statement of different times. Yes, absolutely. Um, hmm. Any other, I guess, uh, the fight scene? <laughs> Do you want to move on to that? And how uh, substantially different it is from anything we get in the first two movies? It's like action instead of like standing. Uh, yes. Which I appreciate. Um you know, I, I read someone else said this, and it's so true. Uh, it's probably the first action movie ever where women aren't sexualized while doing action things. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I love the I Black Widow. Some. I love her. But the Black Widow's whole thing is she is sexualized, right? Like, she is a femme fatale. Um, yeah. So even in Marvel movies, you know, like, it's the way the camera pans on people and stuff. Not just the way oh, they're absolutely. dressed. Um and so in this, like, 
there was no worry about sexy stance or whatever. In fact, I was watching Star Trek Beyond yesterday, and I noticed there were a couple of times where her was just standing, and I was like, that's a sexy stance. Like, mm-hmm. eh, but these women, no, they were just like fighting. They're in garbage truck uniforms fighting because they need to. Yeah, and they're fighting and, this like parade yeah. of ghosts, and like they have to fight their way to where the bad guy is through the ghosts with all these different, you know, weapons they have, like the shredder for the flying things to suck it in. Um, and I actually like all their different little weapons because the problem I always had with the traditional proton pack, the same problem they always have is it's so destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so hard to aim cause it's so powerful. I think it's a necessary tool. Um, I think they have to have it. But when that is your first means of attack, like it's just such overkill that you're going to destroy the city around you. So yeah, having you should use it on the big things. Use it on the giant uh, Stay Puff Marshmallow Man balloon. Right, right. <laughs> so having little pistols that could take out things like Slimer or whatever and the little um, grenades that only harmed ghosts, you know, or whatever, like yeah. I, that's necessary. And, you know, in this post you know, 9-11 post Man of Steel age, right? Like we can't see people destroying cities and buildings on that level and not like have a reaction to it, right? Right. Whereas in the original Ghostbusters, sure, they could blow up the building, like no one cared. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I really appreciated that. I, I thought it was a cool sequence. Um, <laughs> I thought it was funny when she had to fight the Puritan, and she like commented on it, right? This isn't very mm-hmm. Puritan of you. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it was just a beautiful, beautiful sequence. Yeah, I uh, definitely agree. Um, I, yeah, I, I think it was just, it was a great way of having a bunch of women in an action scene in a way that they were not objectified. And I enjoy that. Yeah. So um, also Holtzman was super awkward in it, but great. Yeah. Like licking one of her. Uh, That's such pistols. a like, I, Jane in Firefly thing to do. Not that he ever did it, but you know, like right. Yeah. And, and I can't quite tell is she, is she the character? Forget the action. Is she trying to be funny, or is she emulating macho things and coming off super awkward? Because really, it's a weird thing for macho characters to do in the first place. I think she's emulating like, macho things and coming off as awkward. Okay. Because I think Holtzman is just supposed to be awkward. Uh, And, uh, yeah. Um, Yeah. No, I mean, I totally, I I liked it. I liked that it was very different from the other movies. Um, Because they had a couple scenes that were very much like the other movies. I mean, they had that, the scene in the concert, which was a lot like the courthouse and a lot like, it's like, okay, cool. But you you got that. callbacks. Yeah, absolutely. That was not a criticism. It was just like, I like that they have I mean, the opening and scene then setting up in a scene where there's no Ghostbusters and there's just this paranormal activity, right? That That's, yeah. it's the same thing the original movie did it, just in a different way. And, and But then, so you're setting up people with the familiar, because this is a reboot, right? Like, you, you want people to be able to be like, that is Ghostbusters. But then you take them in a different direction. Yeah. Um, so on that note, uh, I mean, I think we've talked about most of the movie, although, you know what we haven't talked about, because we were talking about callbacks, uh, we haven't talked about all the uh, previous movies, actors, and actresses who showed up. Oh, yes. So, um, yeah, who's the, uh, is Venkman the first person that we have who shows up? Uh, I think so, but he's not uh, Venkman, obviously. He's not he's Venkman a- anymore. 
I, I should say, is Bill Murray the first one that we? He's the doctor person. I don't even remember. Yeah, he's playing um, the debunker. Um, yeah. So he comes up twice, role. right? Like he's on the TV, uh, and then he comes to visit them. So he has the biggest. It's more than a cameo, I would say. Yeah, like he's an actual role. Like right. I think he's even an important, if small, role. Um, and that, like, because of Aaron's Aaron's desire to be believed, yes. she kills him. I, I, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I she mean, doesn't kill him, him, but she releases the thing that kills him. He kind of yeah. has the same uh, antagonism, the closest I would say to the EPA guy, right? Yeah. Um, and I kind of, I kind of liked the payoff of that because you get the th- like Aaron really wants to be believed. She does this stupid thing to be believed. Like finally, someone's gonna believe her, and then he dies. And he's like, nope. Still, and then also still don't like get to be believed. Meta textually, I feel like it's just like revenge on Bankman, <laughs> right? Because yeah, he, yeah, he plays a very similar like condescending to these women role, right? Like uh, he's not playing a nice guy, um, right? He, he's playing, uh, you know, this patronizing, like, uh, guy. And so, like, yeah, he got killed. Yep, yep. Um, I loved so, uh, Janine in the uh, hotel. Yes. It took me a second to realize it was her. And as I, so soon I'm as glad I heard lingered. that voice, I was like, it's Janine. <laughs> I'm glad they lingered on her as long as they did, because it took me just a, a couple of beats. Also, I was really disappointed. I was in a small theater, and I think I'm the only person who got all the cameos. Uh, I, I was, because, you know, I was reacting a little bit and no one else made a, made a sound at several of them. I was so, like, oh. do you know what cameo I like the least? Which one? Ray's. Yeah. It didn't fit. Like, everybody else, like, had an actual, like, role and, like, place in the movie, right? Like, if you go into a hotel, you're going to go up to the front desk, right? Right. Like, but, like, this calling of a taxi cab and then him, just specifically saying I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Like, no, it was just that and was. Saying, oh, it's no, it's no big thing. It's just a class five vapor or a class four. It's like, wait, why do you know this? Right, like that, that was too much. Uh, whereas yeah. everyone else, uh, Ernie Hudson's was perfect. Ernie Hudson's was fantastic. Uh, I love you that. know, like everyone else was just because of course, like it just it didn't occur to me that that was they totally set that up mm-hmm. like way in advance, and it just didn't occur to me. Yeah, though it does kind of feed into the. Um, there's this kind of idea that, like, going back to Star Wars, The Force Awakens, right? Where people are like, oh, Finn must be Lando's son. It's like, no. Yeah, but this is literally only one person. Yeah. You know, and it's not even the character. It's just a throw. It's like, she had an uncle yeah. who she took the car from. So, like, I mean, it just does kind of feed into that, you know, like, all black people are related to each other, whatever. But on the other hand, it was so perfect that, whatever. Yeah. It was perfect. Um. I'm really, really disappointed Rick Moranis wasn't... I'm not surprised, though. I'm not surprised. I'm, sure I'm just disappointed. Asked, I like Rick Moranis. Um, but Rick Moranis is actively not acting anymore, so... Yeah. I, I just... I really like him a lot. I love and Rick I, Moranis. I, is like, you can't have been a child in the 80s or 90s and not be affected by Rick Moranis. Like, yeah. I, I would have loved for him to be in that post-credits scene, like an additional person in the post credits. Yeah. It would have been nice, but so. once again, I'm sure they asked him and I'm sure they, tur- he turned them down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it, it just, it, to me, he was like a glaring, um, you know, just a, a glaring absence because they did like have else the, the bust of Harold Ramis in the university. 
Yes, yeah, yeah they did. Um, man, no, it was it was good. I, uh, I I really I just liked the throwbacks. I didn't feel like for the most part, other than Ray's, I don't feel like the throwbacks and and stuff were over the top. Right. Um, Ray's was I the one that a, felt like the a cameo the most. You know. Yes. Oh, it Sigourney felt like a normal Weaver's. Cameo. Yeah, Sigourney Weaver was great. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I love Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> She's so it's great. A, was it um, Emergency Lights are for Dudes? Yes. Emergency Lights are for Dudes. <laughs> and then High Five was like, I hate doing that. <laughs> oh, that's so good. And then I love how the post-tag sequence set up for uh, they're still acting, there's still more, you know, there could be another Ghostbusters, and then there's Zool. And I'm going to be completely okay if the next one's not about Zool. It's just like a throwaway, you know. But if it also is about, you know, Zool, that's fine with me, too. They can do yeah, it in totally a different cool. way. I, I really love that. Uh, I was like, I definitely made a sound when yeah. I said Zool. No one else what? in the theater. I'm like, oh, you guys are hurting. You're, you're killing me. Who are these you're people seeing me. Ghostbusters? I mean, it was 6.30 in Atlanta on a Thursday. I saw it on so, a Thursday, like, and my theater was pretty full. Hmm. I saw it at 7.30. Well, so and the, maybe yeah, that one hour. I think you were out when difference. I was going in to see it, because I saw your tweet, and I was like, don't read his tweets. Yeah. Well, and just to be clear, it's because you're two hours behind me yeah. on the yeah. <laughs> and time zone. So that you or were, I time traveled, it's one or the other. Yeah. Oh, why not both? But no, you were so you were starting it at like nine thirty my time. Yeah. So I had you were out plenty of time to finish it. But um, yeah, it, it. I think maybe it was just so soon after the workday that most people hadn't gotten out awesome. yet. Yeah. No, I mean overall, I really liked it. I'll probably buy it um, to add to my Ghostbusters collection. Um, actually, I don't own Ghostbusters too. For bath. Oh, I I have a DVD box set of the two of them. Bathtub related reasons. Um, uh, I have Ghostbusters one though. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I, you know, they did such a great job. Uh, I I think they did a really good job of making me want to see a sequel. Yes. Yes. So huge props to that. Um, I much more like I can imagine watching the original Ghostbusters and be like, oh, that was a fun movie. And this one, just that little kicker at the end is like, yeah, yeah, I want a sequel. Please give me a sequel. But, you know, once again, I think a lot of this has to do with this whole idea of modern storytelling versus 80s storytelling, right? You know, movies have come a long way. And even comedies, right? Like, in the 80s, sure, you had your Spielberg and Star Wars-related movies that were, like, big, like, um, you know, had to have these very strong stories. But your comedies were more like your, you know, Spaceballs, where it's like, do you really need character development in Spaceballs? You know, there is some. I'll give you there is some character development in Spaceballs. But uh, comedies just had to be funny. So, uh, and Ghostbusters was more than just funny. It was a good movie. Um, but movies have come a long way since then. Yep. I agree. Um, and so that's going back to my somewhat controversial statement that I do think that uh, – Whatever the Rotten Tomatoes scores or whatever are, I do actually think that for the time, this movie is comparable in terms of quality to the to the first one, in terms of the audiences it goes, and just a lot has changed. Um, so yeah, I, I I think people should definitely give it a give it a watch, obviously, but also really like if they 
have an emotional response that makes them want to discount this movie after having seen it compared to the first one is like really reevaluate how much of that is just because of the emotional attachment to the first one from having watched it for decades, yeah. literally, versus because you actually think the first one's better. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, but all, all of a sudden, I'm happy with it. I was happy with it. I uh, went in expecting a movie that I would enjoy, and I got a movie that I enjoyed. Yep. So, yeah. Cool. Well, uh, on on that note, I guess we're we're done talking Ghostbusters. So um, you can follow us on Twitter at Triv Crucial. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Auhim. That's A U H I M. You can follow Mandy at uh, Brown underscore Aja. It is Aja, right? Yes. Okay. So Brown underscore Aja A J A H. Um, and until next time. <laughs>